dismayed, we're shouting, we're rejoicing, and we are glad. Do me a favor. Would you lift that cup up before the Lord? And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. I got something I want you to know before I preach to you. If you don't hear anything else I say, check in on this. Listen. Hey, check this out. I, I love you. I love you. I mean it. If nobody else is down with you, I am. Hey, me and you, we, we cool, all right? <laughs> me and you're cool. So today, uh, Pastor Eric's away praying uh, for he and his lovely wife and their family. Uh, I drew the short straw. I teach after the holiday. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Though. It's all good. Uh, yeah, tough week last week. Uh, not chosen not to address a lot of that. We're, we're in prayer about that. We're believing God about that. Uh, we belong to one another, and uh, by faith, we just believe, uh, watch this, that we have a great future. Amen? We're just going to believe that. And so my assignment today is, uh, watch this language, with all the Christmas lights, <laughs> is to put a pretty bow on the series, uh, Me and We. So I'm going to kind of finish that out today. I hear myself echoing. Do you hear me echoing? We chill? All right. We chill. All right. All right. So today I just want to talk about uh, this subject, uh, both. Both and. We, we need both. And, and I'm going to try and prove it to you in the text. Uh, my subtitle would be, Through the Good and the Bad. Uh, this is popular in the church where I came from. Through this and through that. Uh, through the things that plague hum- our humanity. And I'm going to ask the church one distinct question that you'll get to answer is, can you stand the rain? Can you stand the rain? So join me then in Psalms 100. I'll do a little review, and then I'll challenge us uh, today, and then we'll, we'll go back. I, I told the, uh, uh, the group that meets at 930, have any of you ever been in a church and the pastor said to you, I'm going to give you some change back today? How many of you know that expression? Never, never, wait, knows it. Anybody ever heard that? It means, and I hope I'm telling the truth, that I'm going to preach short today. So, <laughs> let me give you some change back today. All right? So, join me in Psalms 100. The word of the Lord says simply this Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Anybody experiencing the joy of the Lord today? Here, here's the premise. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. And it's with this in mind that you and I are commanded to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Give thanks for him and praise his name. Let's practice that, everybody. Let's praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness, though, continues throughout all generations. And I'm going to put a bow on the Me We series today. I hope that you've been blessed through it. I hope you've been challenged by it. I hope that someone has moved their me so that they could help us to be a more successful we. Uh, let's break down this text uh, in light of, I guess, 12 weeks of preaching, Pastor Eric and I. One of uh, the foundations of the Me We series is definitely this psalm, Psalm 100. 
It is, church, a directive and a sort of mandate to God's people, you and I, to come back into a God-reflecting, God-ordained harmony. It speaks directly to our humanity while speaking more specifically to our division. It considers the scattering of God's people for causes other than taking the gospel message to the world. Scattering that takes the gospel message to the world still has us being connected while we are fulfilling different roles in order to accomplish the same mission, God's mission. That is a sanctioned scattering. In such cases, we must leave one another behind so that we collectively can grow. But we are not leaving our love behind. We are not abandoning our connection. We're not forsaking our fellowship. We're not breaking up. We are strategically dividing up for the good cause of the gospel. The psalmist understands that. He assumes that. Here, however, in Psalms 100, the psalmist is addressing our division that is the result of a satanic plan to render us ineffective and incapable. God's mission, the saving of all of his children, all of us being reconciled back to his love through his grace, is a mission that requires a high level of connection and unity among his children. Satan doesn't waste time trying to get God to abandon his mission. He merely tries to make sure that you and I are not positioned to help fulfill the mission. He works to ensure that we're not unified enough to be used of God to help usher in this level of reconciliation. The psalmist writes specifically to address this level of division and ineffectiveness. This psalm can be broken down into three sections. New information for you here. I'm going to give you some review. The first the psalmist gives us, number one, is a command. This command is to be joined to and with all the earth in celebration. All of us are commanded to put our voices together, to be the voices of God's unity. We all make up God's heavenly choir, his earthly choir. That's why the psalmist says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. That, number one, church, is the command in the text. Number two, the text, after giving us a command, gives us a common cause. What's the cause? To acknowledge and elevate God into his rightful place. You and I are called to lift God high, to establish without prejudice our common place of origin and thus our bond and our joint access. We all belong and we all get to come in. That's why the psalmist said in verse 3, know that the Lord is God. That's universal knowledge. That's for all of us. It is he who made us. Look at the psalmist establishing our common bond. And we are, all of us, the Bible says, his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates. Everybody gets to enter. 
the rich and the poor. What's the requirement for getting in? Can you enter in thanksgiving, with thanksgiving? Give thanks for him, to him, and praise his name. And then thirdly, after a command and a common cause, verse 5, the psalmist puts all of us into conflict. Watch this. What's the conflict? We, we were doing good. We had a great command. We had a joint cause. And now in verse 5, the psalmist runs us right into conflict. Watch this. The conflict is to establish the sovereignty and unchanging nature of God. It exacerbates God's faithfulness and his goodness. I don't see conflict there. Here's the conflict. It is to ensure that we cannot use God to promote our own and selfish agenda. God is not subject to our whims. We change, God does not. We are unpredictable, and God is not. Here's what the psalmist says. Here's the conflict. For all of us that would use God, for the Lord is good, and his mercy and love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Here God is saying, like 50, I don't know what you heard about me, right? <laughs> but this is who I am. I don't know what you heard about me, but you can't use me. In review, I'm not just on your side. I'm on everybody's side. I don't know what you heard about me. Moses was a Hebrew, but was raised as an Egyptian. We're talking about both. He lived life in two extremes, but in the end, we benefit that he did both. One existence did not cancel out or void the other. Where would we be if Israel's daughter did not rescue him? Paul was oppressed. This is review. Many people, but he is also the reason that many people know Christ. He oppressed people, and then he led people out of oppression. He did both. I also asked some critical questions. Here's some critical questions that we started off in the series. I'm going to give you a little review, and then I'm going to turn, and I am going to give you some change back. What does it mean for a family when we believe different things? You remember this question, but God has still called us to be family. Family, all because two people fell in love. What does it mean for a community to hold varying values, but life has made us to be neighbors? What does it mean for a team to have an offense and a defense, but the scoreboard insists that we win or lose together? How do we live in an America when some of us came over on immigrant ships, some on slave ships, but you've heard it said we're in the same boat now? How do we move forward as the body of Christ when much divides us? Well, we have to find and reestablish God's we. How do we change and use our me to have a more effective we? I, we said, don't disregard your me. Me is the only vote that you get. Your me is powerful. Your need needs to be made over. We preached about the me Bible where you and I would submit our me to act to God and have him make us over again. That we cannot contribute successfully to the community 
because all we bring to the community is who and what we are. That, that, that if we bring or live life mired in fear and in doubt, that's all we can offer the community. If we are faithful and if we are consistent, then that is what we bring the community. If the community was made up of people who thought like you, understood like you, what kind of community would we be? You don't need to answer that, but that's something for you to contemplate. What if everybody brought what I brought? Could we be victorious? Could we win? Could we represent God? Could we be uh, someone where God could send the hurting and the broken? What do I contribute? What do I bring? Here's what I used to tell the church when I pastored. It's rare. Watch this. It's rare that you should come to church broken and hurting and there'll be those Sundays and there'll be those days when you just barely make it here and when you drag yourself into the community of believers and get hugs and get smiles and hear the word and hear the songs and then you leave better than the way you came that 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 certainly is a use for a community that certainly is a use for the church that if you're broken and if you're hurting and if it's been a rough week, if it's been a rough month, if it's been a rough year, we don't want you to stay home. We want you to come. We want you to be blessed by the fellowship. We want you to be blessed by, by the company. Somebody wants to tell you. We're just waiting to tell you how much we love you. You should come. But more often, here's how you should come. You should come prayed up. You should come on 10. You should come blessed. You should come anointed. You should come encouraged. And what if more people came like that than who came broken and who came hurting? Then we could go further. Then we could do more. Here's how we should come. We should come more willing to give. More expecting to give. I'm cool, I showed up in case somebody else isn't. I came to be a blessing. And so we consider God's we. How do we give back to God's we? And that's what we've been contemplating over the last 12 weeks. Here's what's true. We all have the same place of origin. We were made for the same purpose, God's purpose. We were made to give God praise. We've gotten off our agenda. We've been deceived. We've been led astray. And it has been at the cost of our great potential. We have forsaken and abandoned our power, our joint power, our in God all power. When we elect to walk in a me instead of God's we. But we have the same struggles is what I'm going to talk to us about today. And so we need one another. We need to fight hard till we establish God's we. This though, according to the psalmist, this is our true tribe. This we in Psalms 100 is our true family. This is our first group. And believe it or not, church, this is our best group. We were good 
when we are together. Why do we get off? How do we get off? And we, you and I establish that when you and I say we, it's the selfish nature, that what many of us really are saying is me and people like me. Me and people who look like me in some cases, but more and more act like me, think like me, see what I see, are convinced of what I am convinced of. I like to be in the company of people who make me feel good. They may not stretch me, they may not challenge me, they may only endorse me. If everybody endorses you, you've stopped growing. If everybody makes you feel good, you've stopped being challenged. That's not what God wants to you or for me. So he shakes us up. Our we is powerful. Here's the problem with we, and I'm through with review. A true we and a God's we can't, it's not a haphazard thing. It's all out. Being a part of the family of God, uh, here's what we used to say in church, my heart is fixed and my mind is made up. That, that this is who I am, I know this is who I am, and I don't want to be anybody else. I don't want to do anything else. Being a part of the family of God is the greatest coronation. It's the best thing I could ever be. We requires dedication. This we requires an extreme amount of loyalty, commitment, and focus. And we get sidetracked and distracted, and therefore we struggle to fulfill God's we. So here's new information for you as I get ready to put this bow on 12 weeks of preaching. <laughs> we talked about dichotomies. Eric preached through several dichotomies. I preached through several. I'm going to give you a list of those. Dichotomies are roles we accept and identities we embrace that result in separation. It is things that I aspire to, but the very nature of my choosing this means that I am in juxtaposition or opposed to that. And because I have a need to belong, I'm okay being here, and I'm okay with you being there. Uh, I just need to be fit somewhere. So we talked about a, a dichotomy is a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. That there are some things that we ascribe to that by nature puts us in conflict with other people. And so some of them would be strong versus weak. In the prodigal son story, I introduced one to you or two brothers, one stayed versus strayed, black or white or Asian or Latina, rich and poor, compliant, divergent, short and tall, big and little, male and female, political and apolitical, Pastor Eric did a great job with that, lost and found, dead or alive, your son or a servant, and today we're going to talk about are you good or bad? Are you righteous or unrighteous? And there are so many more. So let me go back to how I'm going to put this bow on. 
Would you look at your neighbor and say, we need both? I want you to wake up because I'm only going to preach 10 more minutes. Would you look at your other neighbor and say, you know we need both? We need both. Because what's true that there is no one without the other. Nobody can be rich. There is no such thing as rich if there is no such thing as poor. And so what the psalmist would have us do today then as opposed to looking at the dichotomies and our loyalty to any side of the dichotomy, the psalmist would have us reorient, reset, and look at how we are alike. Now, I'm not sure. There's a little video that I think will show this premise, and then I'll be finished. Do we have that video? Uh, show me about 10 seconds of that video, uh, and what the video is going to stress. It's on. That you can be sisters without looking alike. But that girl in the park said that Lisa and me can't be sisters because I'm white and she's black. That's right, Mrs. Stevens. That's what she said. Well, she was wrong. Sisters are girls who share something. Usually the same parents. But if you share other things, good feelings, friendship, love, the way you two do, well, that makes you sisters in the... Did y'all hear the first line of you? Y'all got it? Yeah. So the point is, if you could reset and focus on what you share, you could be. You could get there, right? So I think the first line is like, she wants them to take off those polka dots. And they're like, we can't, because if we take off the polka dots, we're not sisters. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to be what they already are. Because of what we share, we don't have to work and fight to be it. If we focus on what we share in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, come on everybody, celebrate. Yeah, we already are there. So here's what, here, I'll go back, I'll go back. So number one, remember we had a command. Number two, the psalmist gave us our common cause. Number three, is verse 5 though puts us in conflict here today is where I want to prove our third category in Psalm 100 here's today's challenge here's where God does what you and I do not do here's where God models how we should leave the me we series after 12 weeks of preaching here's where we should be here's where God sets the standard for our engagement with one another going forward and it's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 48. Here's where God throws all of our dichotomies a curveball, right? It's low and away. You can't hit it, all right? Uh, do we have the scripture? Not, I'll read it. So here's the writer says, you have heard that it was said. Watch this dichotomy, people. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense to me. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so all of us who ascribe to these dichotomies and understand these dichotomies, here's where the writer comes to scramble what we thought we know. Here's where the writer comes to, to discombobulate our conclusions. And in there, there are new dichotomies, and those are the ones that we'll finish on after 12 weeks of preaching. The first one, dichotomy, is you have heard that it was said. But I tell you, so the first dichotomy is what you and I have heard in the past, and this, this really is talking about faith, right? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so invariably they're addressing our levels of faith. And where does your faith come from? What do you have faith in? Whatever you listen to the most is what you probably believe and then internalize, and that's your conclusion, that's your faith. So the first dichotomy in the text is all of us are challenged by what we've heard previously and what God is saying now. What is God saying now? What is the word of the Lord that you came? What are the marching orders that you hear today and the things that you're hearing God say now? And here's the deal. It doesn't matter what we've been. It doesn't matter what we've concluded. What is God saying now? What's the fresh revelation that God is giving the church now? That's who we should be. That's what we should do. God never stops speaking. We should be listening. What is the latest thing that God is saying? What's the revelation? Is there a word from the Lord? That's what we need to base our lives upon. What does God say today? Every morning, God is speaking. You need to get up. Don't assume that yesterday's message is today's message. Father, what are you saying today? I need to hear from you. Is there a word from the Lord? And whose report will you believe? The first thing you've got to do if we're going to win, if we're going to have this collective we stop listening to them. Listen to the Lord. You have heard, that's one thing. But I'm telling you, that's a whole nother thing. Listen to what I'm saying, says God. What was said versus what God will say. The Bible said, I will set up on my watch and I will wait to see what he will say to me. And he said, write the vision and make it plain got to wait to hear from the Lord it is the parallel the, the contrast between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom we cannot fulfill God's we when we go by conventional wisdom worldly wisdom it may make sense in business it may not make sense in the kingdom and so we have to follow God's wisdom another contrast it is the contrast between neighbors and enemies. You and I, undefined, we understand that. We define those very well in our lives. But now, God comes to kind of scramble that. 
Now it's not so clear. Love your enemies versus hate your enemies. And the big question here is, who are your neighbors? What neighborhood do you live in? Are we supposed to P-R-A-Y for people? Or are we supposed to P-R-E-Y on people? Because my nature is, if you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you back. But Jesus says, no, don't P-R-E-Y on anyone. Pray for them. People of God, we only have one tool. P-R-E-Y is not in our arsenal. All we get to do is P-R-A-Y. And then, watch this, watch this. The Bible says that to help us achieve this, what is the this? Verse 45 says that you may be children of your father. Here, here in the middle of Matthew 5, watch this. Here in the middle of Matthew 5, we have a resurgence of Psalm 100. It's right here. We found Psalm 100 in the middle of Matthew 5. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. It is the bringing all of us back into one umbrella. This is, Matt, this is Psalm 100. It is the connection of us all. It is the reunification of us all under one banner. What's that banner? Uh, under God's name. We just found Psalms 100. And the goal for our humanity, the goal for our church. I said I wasn't going to address last week, but I bet if we get here, last week will take care of itself. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. How do I get you there? How do I get you there, says God? The Bible says, because you're not there, the Bible says, he causes God's plan to scramble everything and set the conditions for our discomfort and our instruction. I'm going to mess you up. The Bible says he gives us a binding goal. He said, okay, you have that figured out. So you good with enemies and neighbors. You good with righteous and unrighteous. You good with all of these dichotomies. And you feel justified in that, right? Like, that makes sense to you. But now I'm going to model how I want you to do it. And the Bible says, here's how God handles our understanding of dichotomies. He says, well, I'm just going to let the sun shine on the good and the bad. What if I handle it that way? What if I send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, God, you just messed us up because I've been working hard to be good and not evil. I've been working hard to be righteous and not unrighteous, and now you said that you love us all, the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous. And why does God do that? Why did we work so hard to be in one particular dichotomy? And then God come back and say, good, but I'm going to bless both sides of the equation. Well, hold up, I'm confused. 
You mean I could have stayed out there doing all that? <laughs> you mean I didn't have to do this? He says, no, I, I, I wanted you to do your best. I just didn't want to, you to think that you could ever use me against the other side. I just never wanted you to think that I was more for you than I was for them. I just never wanted you to think that I was a tool that you could use to condemn the other side. Sure, I have standards and I have a will, but remember, I'm trying to love everybody. And I'm actually trying to, what you should do if you find yourself in what seems to be the more favorable side is you should, you should use my influence to love people on the other side. So I'm going to finish like this. Uh, if you go to 34th and Keystone, go east, west, four blocks, you'll hit Orchard, Schofield, Ralston, Hovey, Arsenal, Martindale. That's my hood. If you go to 30th Street, that's where I grew up. I understand that. So in the middle of that, though, there's a school called School 110 where I grew up. Now, uh, I'm finishing now. Here's why God loves us all. The whole time I lived in that neighborhood, uh, I'm not doing race today, but I need to prove this to you. I only grew up with one fine white family in the neighborhood. That was Norman Carr. He was my friend. From kindergarten to eighth grade, I went to school with two white people, Bonnie and Billy Jolly. But from kindergarten to eighth grade, I only had two black teachers, <laughs> Miss, Miss McCaskill and Miss Davis. So I went to school with 90 plus percent all black people who lived in this community from 34th Street to 30th Street, from Orchard to Martindale. That's where I grew up. But everybody who came in to teach us came from outside of that community, and uh, that's, that's what we did. And we converged on this building the building was in the hood, right? And so there, as a result of that, there some language came up that we internalized. It was this language of being good and bad, right? Now these stigmas, these labels, were never used on faculty and administration because the assumption was that they were always good, right? It's 90% of them, faculty administration, they couldn't do no wrong. They were in power. So the only people that were either good or bad were the students, right? And so what I realized, and my mother understood this, so she taught us to be quote-unquote good. Well, what was good or bad based upon? What well, was based upon the requirement that people who lived outside of that culture came and put on us, right? So, uh, and we, we embraced it like, oh, man, I'm good. What did good mean? Or what did bad mean? It wasn't until I got much older that I realized not nearly as many people were bad as they thought were bad. Right? What made you bad was really you were bad at code switching. You didn't understand 
how to be this thing that was in our neighborhood and all the rules that, 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 that applied because it was between Orchard and Martindale between 34th and 30th and we had a, a language all of our own. We lived the way we did and then all of a sudden in September when the 8 o'clock bell rang, the rules were different. And what made you bad was that you were bad at code switching. And what made you good, and I was always good, was that I was very proficient at code switching. I still am. I'm really good at it. Right? So, what's my point? Why did I tell you that story? The reason God loves on both sides of the equation is because God doesn't trust how we come up with the labels. He didn't trust the requirements that we use to put people in the categories. Right? So, so, here's the deal. When I was in the seventh grade, Mrs. Kinder, or Kinder, I forget how we pronounce her name, grabbed me in, we're changing classes, junior high wing, and the white lady teacher grabs me, walks me down the hall, and tells me how good I am, right? Kenneth, you're good, you're, you're parents, you, you this, but not understanding that in telling me I was good, she was actually putting me in a bad situation. Because <laughs> what I was doing to be good was denying a lot of my cultural position. So, so that's just one example of God saying, I'm going to outrule you because I don't trust the criterion for how you came up with the labels anyway. The reason and the way you got to that dichotomy it's usually based upon whoever's in power and whoever gets to say this is good or bad. So why don't I, and from now on, why don't you just love everybody? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let it rain on the just and the unjust. I'm going to let it rain on the good and the bad. Because I can't trust how and why you put people in any particular category. Secondly, the categories are transient. Not all good people stay good, not all bad people move. So I can't let you label people. I'm just going to love everybody. And here's a good place to end. Why don't we take that approach? Come on, let's give God praise. So much more to say. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for 12 weeks of preaching. Just trying to make us a stronger, better community. We need you. We need our me to be ratified. We need to grow in you. We want to be people who come into community stronger than weaker on more days than not we come to be a blessing we've come to add I pray that we come in 
on 10 more than we come in on two. There are certainly two days and, and I of all people need, need the community. But I pray for a strength in this church. I pray for an anointing. I pray for a focus. I pray that we are a force that will not let anything the enemy brings to us divide us. And I pray that we value all people and understand that we have categories that you don't, all, you don't actually observe those though. We made those up. You don't agree with them. So you let it rain on everybody. You let the sun shine on everybody. Teach us how to stand the rain. In Jesus' name we pray.